Good afternoon, watcher, and welcome. You are in tune to the word. And I know I often say that I'm excited to welcome my next guest, but boy, I am gas stoked, excited, buzzed to welcome this incredible duo onto the word today. They are the filmmaking team of the Hollywood blockbuster film Queen Pins, now streaming on Amazon Prime and many other films that we'll lead on to shortly. It is Geeta and Aaron. Welcome to the word. Good afternoon. Or is it good morning in Hollywood? It's a good morning good here. Morning. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, guys. Thank you so much for joining us. I, I'm just a little bit all over the place because we are actually speaking to you live in Hollywood this morning. And I, I, I'm almost lost for words. I don't even know where to start. You are a filmmaking husband and wife team. Let's start there. How did you meet and were you both filmmakers when you met? We were not filmmakers, actually. Aaron and I started our careers in journalism. And so I was working in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and Aaron took a job as a, at another competitive station at the Fox station. I worked at the ABC station in Grand Rapids, Michigan. So we were working in television news when we met and I somehow convinced Gita to one, make a documentary film with me and two, date me. So it was good. Both of those really panned out well for us. And we sort of went from television news, journalism, to documentary films, to narrative scripted features, and started with indie films. And now Queen Pins is our first uh, studio film. It's, you know, starting out, it seems like, you know, Aaron is as far away from in the U.S. as you could possibly be from Hollywood. He's from Maine. And I'm from a place called South Bend, Indiana, which most people know it only for the University of Notre Dame. And so the idea of trying to make a Hollywood movie seemed like a monumental task and very impossible and improbable for us. Uh, so it only took 17 years to get <laughs> from where we started to making queen pins. <laughs> That's incredible. And what took you to Hollywood? I think when we made our a movie called Beneath the Harvest Sky that came out in 2014, that premiered at the Toronto International Film Festival and got some attention. And we, we got agents and a manager and they were setting up meetings for us out here. And it felt like, oh, now there's actually a reason for us to be out here. We have people that want to meet with us and projects that we can maybe get going if we're actually out there in the industry. We always like to say, if you're an actor, yes, it makes sense to be out here coming out for either to New York or to LA for auditions. But if you want to be anywhere in the film industry besides that, it's really about going and finding a place that you feel like you could get the resources to make your movie, but making it elsewhere. And then coming and to LA when you're like the major leagues, like, you know, work your way up to from the minor leagues to the major leagues. So we did, you know, documentaries and then indie films. And then, you know, once we were, felt like we were ready to move into the major leagues, essentially, we ended up coming to LA. And here you are now having made this incredible, what we would call a Hollywood blockbuster movie. Why don't you tell our listeners who don't know about it, there's probably not many, a little bit about Queen Pins and who's in it? Sure. So Queen Pins is a story about two women. It was based on a true story of these two women who counterfeited coupons and ended up creating a $40 million counterfeit coupon scam. And it stars Kristen Bell and Kirby Howell Baptiste. Paul Walter Hauser and Vince Vaughn. And BB Rexa. And BB Rexa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> what a cast. I mean, first of all, first question is, how on earth do you go about casting for a film like this and getting such big superstars? Well, we should also say it's a comedy. So in case you guys don't know anything about it, it is just we really wanted this to be a fun. The world is so absurd of coupons and postal inspectors and loss prevention officers and grocery stores that we felt like we really wanted it to, even though it's inspired by a true story, really make it feel like fun and just like a good ride and feel joy through the process. Unfortunately, our our casting director on our other film that we had made is Allison Jones, who is a really, I think, one of the greatest casting directors of all time. And, and when it comes to casting comedies, there's really no one better. And, you know, she had cast uh, The American Office and Curb Your Enthusiasm and Arrested Development and Parks and Recreation and The Good Place, all of these amazing television comedies and and also all of uh, Judd Apatow and Adam McKay's comedy movies, Bridesmaids, all of these films. So she was sort of perfect for for this movie. We were kind of joking with her. We had, were very close with her. We said, we finally wrote a movie that's in your wheelhouse, Allison. And we wrote a comedy. And so she was really integral in bringing in so many great people. Um, mm-hmm. And then also Kristen Bell was the first one on board and you know, once you get her in place, everybody else takes notice and everybody gets excited and you're able to go after, you know, different people that you're excited about. And we had a relationship with Vince Vaughn on another project that we're still trying to package and get made. But um, he and Paul Walter Hauser were friends and we knew we wanted wanting to work together, wanting to work together. And we knew we had sat with Paul. We really loved him. We knew he was perfect for the role of this role called Ken Miller, who was the loss prevention officer in our film. And uh, he was like, you know, we were trying to say, like, who would pair up to be a nice Simon Kilmurray in this movie? And he actually thought about Vince and said, what do you think about Vince Vaughn in that role? And we were like, oh, we love Vince. Yeah, let's see if we can all work together and see if he'd be interested in doing it. And fortunately, he was. Who doesn't love Vince? He's amazing. Now, just to give our listeners a a little bit of the backstory. So I've been doing a a series on sort of powerhouse women singer-songwriters. And a couple of weeks I had Tanya Lacey on. And the reason I kind of, she'd come to my attention again, because you've got this amazing track out called Fabulous. And it turned out it's the soundtrack to Queen Pins. And then here we are. I tweeted about her. You retweeted my tweet. And I was like, oh, my God, there's a Hollywood filmmaker she's retweeted my tweet I, I gotta I gotta say something and then as the amazing Twitter sphere as it is we connected and here we are today and the soundtrack is amazing and thanks to Tanya for hooking us up but I saw a little clip on her Instagram page and it is hilarious and the film is so funny but you adhered to a little bit of the storyline there please please share this amazing storyline with our listeners Yeah, Kristen and Kirby play these two sort of down on their luck neighbors and friends Mm -hmm. who feel as though they've been sort of like pushed down by the system in different ways and haven't been able to sort of make the most of what they want to do in life. And they stumble across this sort of loophole in, in coupons in the US where, you know, if you complain to a corporation, they'll send you a coupon for the free item that you said, you know, was had a problem with it. And they figure out a way to take that and create more of them and sell them and make 
millions of dollars, which is inspired by a real story of these women that did this in Phoenix. And then Paul and Vince play this loss prevention officer and a U.S. postal inspector because the coupons are being sent through the mail. The the postal inspectors get involved and they play this like second sort of duo that are coming after the two of them. And fabulous it's used. We love the song. Our music supervisor, it was before it was being released. But it was kind of late in the game in our post-production when he brought us that song. And as soon as we heard it, we were like, oh my God, this is like, how is this not a huge, huge, huge hit right now? We can use it in queen pins and hopefully it'll like get out there even further. And we knew we wanted this like really kick-ass song when our two women are at the height of making money and they're going to go spend it and they get this private jet and they're walking on this amazing red carpet to the private jet. We wanted this like great empowerment song, this feel-good song. And when we heard Fabulous, we were like, that is it. And our music supervisor had said, you know, this is just out, but he's like, I just know it's going to be a hit. And we were just excited that we could potentially get it in the movie before it was like out in a big way. And uh, yeah, it was perfect. It is a fabulous track. It is amazing. Um, You touched on there about how it's based on a true story and with your journalism backgrounds. Is it important to you or is it a conscious decision to make films that are based on true stories or is that just something that happens organically? I think it's really important to us because it grounds it in truth and honesty. And I feel like then you can start taking some liberties, but to start it in the place of truth, I think is really important. Like this coupon scam actually did exist and it did happen. And we thought like, yeah, you can't make this up. The real world is even more absurd and crazy than anything you can probably fictionalize. So if we keep it grounded in the truth, I think there's a lot to play with, but also then we really love coming from our journalism documentary background, making things feel like real life in a lot of ways. Part of the process Mm -hmm. for us, we love the research of it. So when it's a true story and you can kind of dig in and do all of this research and, you know, we've made movies where we almost tackle the research part. Like we're making a documentary film. We love to go, interview people and talk to the real people and mm-hmm. and hear their real stories and then figure mm-hmm. out how can this fit into a dramatized mm-hmm. scripted story so it's all I think for for us it's important because we love that part of the process and even in this story we talked to the real detective who tackled this case and you know it was the first time when we really just like read a stumble. We were on the FBI website for another story that we we're looking into. And then I don't know where we ended up clicking, but we ended up going down a rabbit hole of different links and ended up on a coupon blog. And there's just like four lines about this coupon caper. And unfortunately had the name of the detective in Phoenix, Arizona. And so we reached out to him and called him because we were like, is this a real story? And then he ended up telling us about the case and Shortly after, I think a few days later, we got in a car and drove to Phoenix, Arizona and just spent time interviewing him and getting a sense of what this case really was. I was going to ask you about the research and, you know, have you had any mad sort of capers looking into and researching some of the films that you've made? For sure. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's why Gita was on the FBI website, because we'll always look for some weird FBI investigations or that sort of thing. and. And then to stumble across this, it was it was so weird, uh, such a weird story to us. But uh, many of our other scripts that were in the process of getting set up and made are all like based on true stories. They might be much more dramatic. This was sort of different for us. It just seemed like 
the true story was so absurd. It felt like it should be a comedy. So we, we wrote it as a comedy, but we're shooting this October, November, and December of 2020. And it was the height of the pandemic in Los Angeles. Everything was shut down. We were just trying to figure out how to keep our crew safe and our cast safe. And we kept telling our team, like, you know, remember when this movie comes out, our goal is to bring some laughter and joy to people who have gone through and struggled through a lot of challenging things this year. So can we accomplish that? And when it came out, we were thrilled to see how audiences were responding to Queen Pins. And we got a lot of different messages talking about how much it meant for them to be able to find a comedy that they could laugh and watch with their loved ones and their families and, you know, husbands and wives. And it's, you know, made for men and women. We really wanted that to be part of the story. As a couple that write and direct together, we're looking for things where it can relate to men and to women. Also, I think when like earlier drafts were probably maybe even a little darker, but I do yeah. think we were just like, people really need to laugh right now. It's such a dark time. Yeah. Let's just make the sort of yeah. most comedy version of this that we can do and lean into that yeah. sort of like happy place and hopefully yeah. give people a reason to laugh. Yeah, and it works. It really does work. And with such a great cast as well, it's fantastic. Now, you mentioned there about being a husband and wife team. What's that like working together and how does the process work between you? Yeah, literally, how does it work? Well, it takes years of marriage therapy. <laughs> <laughs> we constantly add yeah. more things. You know, yeah. it takes a lot to get in the right frame of mind where we want to sit down just like we are next to each other and work on a script together and every word in the script we're both agreeing on. And mm -hmm. so to get into that mindset of being creative and collaborative to the maximum mm -hmm. amount, it was like, at first we were like, oh, we would meditate. And then it was like journal and meditate and journal and meditate and take a hike and <laughs> yoga and whatever. Yeah. And it's like, every time we keep adding more things yeah. in to like get yeah. us into this sort of Zen yeah. place where we we write well together and you can't create freely if you have like anger, resentment, frustrations within you and it just comes out. So we do a lot to be able to have like a clean slate when we like sit down together to write, you know, we are literally just like this right next to each other. No word in our screenwriting process goes into a script without Aaron and I both agreeing on it. And we've certainly had our long debates over the word and or something frivolous because it's important to us to get it right in the script because that's the foundation, right? If you're building a house, you want a strong foundation because if you don't, nothing, no matter what you do on top of it, it'll, it'll never work out. So the script is always a place that we begin and make sure it's the strongest. And then when we get on set and we work with our actors, we're like, don't worry about the words. It's just make it real and honest. <laughs> but also the script is our merged vision. So that to us is the blueprint of saying, okay, this was our two visions merged together. That's the script. So then that's really important to us. And then when we go on to set, it's how can we make it better? And how can we bring in all of these other collaborators, the actors and the crew to bring their you know, ideas to what we've brought to the table. And yeah. we try to just make it as collaborative a, a process as we can, because yeah. our our entire relationship is so collaborative. When we are yeah. casting crew, it's almost like bringing them all into our marriage for however long. 
how does that work then when you've gone from, you know, like you said, I, I know our listeners can't see you, but you're sat side by side working really hard on getting the words right in the script. And then suddenly you bring this whole team in and this cast and that, you know, you tell them just to say what they want, let the words come. But, you know, what's it like trying to bring this whole script to life? And how do you go about that? Yeah. I mean, it takes years, right, to get the financing and the studio support and getting the right cast to match the budget that you need. It's a sheer miracle that any movie gets made because of the crazy amount of challenges that exist to make that happen. But once it all comes together and you're on production, our goal as the leaders on the set is to really find a way to allow our department heads and our teams to be as creative as possible. You know, so we set the vision of what we want and the boundaries of what we are expecting within this, because we want to push the boundaries of storytelling, but we also want to be collaborative. And if there's a great idea out there and someone, whether it's a grip or it's our camera person or it's our production designer, whoever has the best idea to push that story forward, we want to hear their ideas. So we just have a really open set of being able to just create freely on there. No, I love that. that. <laughs> I love that. Sorry, speaking to Tanya Lacey again, bringing her up. She, I sort of asked her what was the one bit of advice she would give to people breaking into the industry. And she was talking about collaborations and how important collaborations are. And just by having somebody, you know, a couple like yourselves recognizing the superb track Fabulous and by collaborating with her and bringing her in, it's just creating that opportunities that maybe you don't realize the the longevity of what that will do for her and her career. So yeah, it's incredible to hear how you as a couple collaborate and work on something like this. We would be fools to take, you know, to have a comedy legend like Vince Vaughn, for instance, and then be like, just say what's in the script, (laughs) you know, like for us to sit down with him and go through every scene and all of his dialogue and say, how can we make this better And he obviously has all of these ideas of like, oh, it'd be funny if I did this or if Paul did that and I reacted that way. And, you know, it just makes that scene that much better. And then on the day, you know, we'd always start with what was in the script. But then once we had that, we would always do more takes and improvise and let them sort of like bring ideas of the moment into it. And to not do that, it'd be fools. So, you know, you bring in all of these people that are experts at what they do. You want them to be as collaborative as you are, you know, and it, it just makes the project better. And someone like Paul Walter Hauser or Kirby Howell Baptiste, it's like they are so good at improvisation that yeah. you would just like, you could watch them in a scene forever just doing, you know, their thing because they know how to like, go and find those comedy moments or those comedy beats so well that we don't think of. Kirby's from the UK and Mm. it's so weird when we meet up with her now because she did such a great American accent (laughs) that whenever we meet up with her and it's like just Kirby being Kirby, it's like I always forget like, oh yeah, yeah, you don't actually sound like your character at all. (laughs) I always get that when I hear Tom Holland's Spider-Man talk and I'm like, what? Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. Are so great at doing an American accent. It never works so well when it's the other way around. Yeah, I don't know why it's harder the other way around, but British actors somehow know how to nail 
American accents. Oh, I don't know. Bridget Jones, she was pretty amazing at uh, doing an English accent, wasn't she? What was the actress's name? Is it um, Renee Renee Zellweger? Renee Zellweger. Yeah. Zellweger. Good She's yeah. the British accent, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we mentioned that people breaking into the industry. Tanya giving advice. Have you got any advice for anybody who's maybe trying to break into the film industry? I mean, for me, if you're a screenwriter writing screenplays and scripts, our advice is always just finish them. You know, so many people you talk to, it's like they have, you know, I've got this script that's almost done or this half done script, or I have all these ideas for movies and I have, you know, a few, you know, 20 pages written. None of that means anything. None of that can help you in any way. But if you finish the script, now you have like an asset that you can really try to like do something with. So that's the, for screenwriters, just like finish scripts that you start like finish them and and everyone you finish now you have something you can work with and keep pushing forward towards reaching your goal right like don't you know Aaron and I are have been 99 more rejections than a yes (laughs) through our process and when you finally like keep pushing through the rejections you'll get to the yes but you can't there's so many people that will just give up after the first or second rejection it's not right for us it's not happening but if you just keep believing, like we took 17 years to get to this point and we still have a long way to go. So this is if you can imagine all the failures that had had to happen for us to get to this point, we're still here. We're still together. We still love each other and we're still pushing forward and we're still creating. So that to us says if we can do it, you can do it as well. I love that. And I wish at this point the listeners could see you both because you've got the twinkle in the eyes. Aaron's grinning his face off. And you both, you obviously genuinely do love each other and love the process and working together. And that's amazing. What's going to be next for you guys? It's a good question. question, We're Literally today, right now, we've just been, we're Mm -hmm. sort of juggling like 15 different potential projects because Mm -hmm nothing is real until it's real. Like everything is like, it seems like it could go and get a green light and become, you could go into production or it could just sit there and for months and months. So we're kind of waiting to see which one of our projects becomes real so that we can really put all of our focus on it. Yeah. We're working on a comedy TV series right now that we're currently casting and we have another project that's a dramatic thriller. It's a movie that we're also casting. So we're hoping one or the other goes quickly so we can get it going. (laughs) Is there one thing like one, if you could wave a magic wand and there's one project that you'd really want to do, or can you not tell me that? Cause they'd be giving it all away. I mean, the, the movie that we had worked years to get made before queen pins and we, we weren't able to, we had financing for it three times and it fell apart three times. It's called crook County. And it's about this young lawyer in Chicago He was 27 years old, just out of law school. He ended up going undercover for the FBI for four years, wearing a wire. And he ended up taking down 100 judges, lawyers, and cops in Chicago that were all crooked and taking bribes and fixing court cases uh, in 1980s Chicago. And it's the biggest investigation of our judicial system in the history of the United States. And it's sort of like a Donnie Brasco, Serpico kind of dramatic thriller. That That is a movie. We, we will make it someday. It's been hard yeah. to get yeah. the budget and everything yeah. together. But. Maybe one of your listeners will know how to crack the case, but it's been uh, 
it's been an eight year journey so far and uh, we will get there. <laughs> it sounds absolutely incredible. Have either of you faced any particular barriers in your career? I know for me, I've had a lot of misogyny and chauvinism. Even just being a mum was really difficult coming back after, you know, how incredibly successful career. It was like I had to start all over again. I don't know if, if either of maybe start with you, Gita. Have you had any real barriers in your career? Yeah, I think being a minority female director has been a real challenge. I think it's been more of a challenge for me understanding my place in this industry and really finding my voice. And in 2019, as part of that, I participated in a program called the Presidential Leadership Scholars Program. And that was all about working with former presidents and presidential libraries. And they brought in their teams of leaders to teach other people in different industries, how to be the most successful leader you can be. And part of that, and my reason for doing that was I felt like I didn't know how to be the right director. Like what, you know, the typical director is, you know, the guy that comes on set and then like bosses everybody around and, you know, screams and shouts at things in your mind. That's what you always think, but that's not real leadership and that's not true leadership and that's not collaborative at all. And I wanted to figure out, well, how can I be the best leader and achieve the goals that I wanted to do? And there were simple techniques that we learned through that process that really empowered both Aaron and I to be the best leaders we can be together and also for our cast and crew. And even simple techniques of when Aaron and I would go into a room to pitch a movie, I could feel like, oh, they didn't quite treat me or want me to feel like I was an equal. And then Aaron and I learned through this leadership program, well, if I speak first, it opens the room to everybody else who may not feel like they have a voice to have a voice now because they see me and they're like, oh, she's able to speak first and open that door. Then everybody else in that room feels comfortable. And so it's a technique we use and almost immediately since we use that technique, it has opened the rooms immensely. The conversations, the dynamics in the rooms have changed. So it's always these like subtle little techniques you can use, especially as a minority female to kind of find your way and your voice in terms of leadership. And it's usually kind of through compassion and kindness that you can find your voice. And that's what I realized. You don't have to be somebody else or pretend to be somebody else. You just have to be you and own yourself. Like I love to laugh. I love to have a giggle through stuff. And I, I'm not afraid to share my voice or my opinion anymore. And Aaron is there to support and champion me as well. And I think you always need to have somebody in that room who's going to be willing to champion and support you. And so you're not standing by yourself. Yeah, I think we're, we're gone beyond the sort of management by fear, although sadly there's still a lot of that going on. It's really, really fantastic to hear you speak. It's been a real pleasure speaking to you. We hope that Queen Pins brings everyone who sees it some joy and happiness, and we look forward to you guys watching some of our future films and TV shows. Can't wait. Aaron and Gita, thank you so much for your time today. Thank, thank you. you so much. Thank you for having us on.